Hello and welcome to Let It Be, a podcast about less doing and more being. This is episode number 12. So, Brooke, about five years ago, as part of your recovery from postnatal depression, you started decluttering your house. Yes, I did. And since then, you reckon you've thrown out or given away around 20,000 items. Hmm. So, given the whole gist of our podcast is less doing and more being, how do you reckon those things were getting in the way of you being more and doing less? Uh, Is that for a nice big question to kick off? That's a juicy one. (laughs) Where do I start? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, you know, I I didn't I didn't realize it wasn't like I I recognized immediately that that our stuff was getting in the way of life. Um, But as a result of my postnatal depression, I was seeing a psychiatrist uh, weekly and a psychologist weekly, and just generally spending hours of my week in therapy. Having a light shone on, the, on your inside. Exactly. It was really just comfortable, fun stuff. You know, it was great. Uh, looking back, it actually was great. But in one of those sessions, my psychiatrist had listened to me talk about my life, my day-to-day kind of existence, what it was that I was spending my time doing, why I constantly felt on edge and stressed and worried. And she's, she looked at me after listening to me kind of blather on about it for 20 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. She's like... Have you ever considered simplifying a little bit? Um, like, you know, maybe, I, I don't know. Like, what does that mean? What do, what do you mean? Exactly. How could I possibly do that? How would the wor- world continue to turn? But, uh, you know, she just left it at that. But I went home and thought about it some more and kind of marinated in my brain. And I ended up online and I Googled, I quite literally Googled, how do I simplify my life? And the obvious irony is that the number of people who find my website for Googling the same question now is, is <laughs> quite high. Uh, but I found Zen Habits, Leo Babauta's blog, and fell down this this amazingly enlightening rabbit hole of people who were living with less stuff. And not only were they saying that that meant that their house was tidier, they said that life became richer and deeper and happier and they were they themselves were more content. And it was such a an appealing idea for me because I was so discontent you know I looked around and our house we had everything that you could want I mean we weren't wealthy but we were very comfortable we had a house full of stuff we just renovated we had wardrobes full of clothes that we didn't wear that we'd never Mm -hmm. worn you know we had a a double car garage full of boxes of crap that I could not tell you what a single piece of it was but it was there because that's what you did you know and I I realized that I wanted to be that person who simplified and found the depth and found the space and found the time in their life. And so that's why why I started decluttering. I started really slowly. I, I had a few false starts, but started really, really slowly. And as we gradually got rid of this stuff, I started to feel physically lighter I had no idea that this stuff weighed anything at all until I didn't have to carry it around anymore yeah and as a result of that lightness I had space mental space and physical space and I had the the time and the energy 
to focus on the things that I, I actually valued, which was my family, spending time with my family and spending, you know, finding downtime and relaxing and adventuring and being spontaneous. So the stuff was sort of the, the catalyst, I guess. And, and it was through that that I recognized the excess that I'd been living my life with. And that's where the, you know, the, the less doing and more being stuff started to, to reveal itself. And that's, that was all I needed. Like that first realization was enough motivation to continue on to, uh, you know, a decluttering and we eventually got rid of more than 20,000 things. And it's been significantly more than that since. Wow. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm exhausted just listening. <laughs> I, I think um, because it's funny, I've, I've always been a minimalist. Well, in my own version of a minimalist in that I've, I've never liked stuff. I've always, like I've always loved, like my first blog was I Love Pretty Things and I started that blog because I used to love going and browsing through beautiful gift stores and markets and stuff and looking at all the beautiful things there but I just, I never bought it because I, I knew from experience that I would buy all this stuff and then I would go sit on a shelf and it would never get used and I just hate, ha- hated having this stuff around that wasn't useful. You know, it was just pretty. Um, and obviously, there's scope to have some of that stuff around, but you can't have, you know, just shelves and shelves worth of stuff that is just pretty but not, not being used in your house. So I started this blog to give me a reason to go to all these places, look at the beautiful things, and then I could write about them. And then that kind of, that let me kind of get that little fix that I wanted um, because, yeah, I knew I just didn't want this stuff in my house, not because it wasn't beautiful and gorgeous, but because in the end it was just stuff. Um, yet, for all that I, in my head, I'm a minimalist, I did clutter all the time. Like the other day I like was looking at my kids' toy shelves and I was like, God, oh, I can't take this anymore and I, I've got to do a big declutter. And like most people like it would take them a day to declutter their to- kids' toy shelves. It, was, like, it took me 20 minutes because <laughs> I do it so often and it was actually quite unsatisfying because I just didn't really get to get rid of that much stuff. Um, but I still managed to, you know, we still accumulate a lot of stuff and this I found this out a couple of years ago when we had to pack up. At, well, first of all, we had to prepare our house for sale. So, you know, I did a massive big declutter and went through and threw a whole lot of stuff out and gave a whole lot of stuff away because, you know, we wanted our house to be showroom quality for the, you know, for the home opens and that was brilliant um, and, you know, I did a big declutter then. And then when it came time to move, I thought – this is going to be the easiest move ever because I know that everything in this house is going where we're going. <clears throat> but when it came time to pack all this stuff up, I was horrified at just how much stuff there was. Brooke, why do I have so much stuff? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> it's it's actually really it's nuts, isn't it when you when you're hit square in the face with the realization that you are someone who is a minimalist at heart, you enjoy, a, a, you know, a simple aesthetic, you don't like clutter, you actively keep clutter to a minimum. Yeah, and I'm still, this girl, like Carly and I were talking about this in our um, Straight and Curly podcast the other day, like, I like surfaces, as in I like being able to see surfaces. Yeah. So know. I think, I think um, part of it is maybe actually that is part of it. If, if you've got 
your clear surfaces, you feel good. But do you stick stuff in drawers? Um, yes, you can't, I do. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's exactly it. I love my clear surfaces, but if something is in a drawer or behind a cupboard door, it's like it doesn't exist. And it's a deferred decision. Like you don't have to worry about it if you can't see it. Yes. Whereas, see, I, um, I now – and that used to be me. Uh, I would love just just a blank – coffee table completely empty with except maybe for a bunch of flowers or something like that that's what I that was my jam but now I actually love the the volume space as well that comes from having empty drawers or empty cupboards because to me the the actual weight of the stuff like yes there's the clutter weight but the weight of it is that deferred decision that is inherent in an item or the obligation that is inherent in the item like you're keeping it because someone gave it to you or you're keeping it because it costs a hundred dollars and if you give it away then that's sunk cost that you never get that money back so we keep it for that we might keep it because it's aspirational clutter you know maybe we'll fit into those jeans again maybe yeah if I keep my paints and my canvases I'll start painting again even though I haven't painted in 15 years maybe you know and there's all these other reasons that we keep a hold of things that have nothing necessarily to do with the item other than the fact that that it means something in terms of, you know, the maybes. So I think there's room to kind of explore that, you know, like the aesthetics of of simplicity is one thing. And then it's also that the benefit for me is in just the not having it at all. But we were talking before we started recording and I'm of course someone who, is really drawn to simplicity and minimalism. My family is, they enjoy the benefits of having an uncluttered house. It doesn't take long to clean up for anyone. Yeah. You know, whenever there's a knock on the door and we have surprise visitors, no (laughs) one freaks out because the house is in good order just because there's just not so much stuff to pick up. Even when the kids need to tidy their rooms or work through their toy box, it doesn't take them long. We do it every school holidays and it takes maybe an hour. Yeah. Everyone benefits from that. But um, I still am someone (laughs) – I'm definitely the most minimal of my family. So to me, um, to some extent, life with a family, life with someone who has different values to me equates stuff and I just have to be okay with some of that. (laughs) You know, if it's not mine to make the decision about, then it's not mine to make the decision about. But, yeah, stuff. It's just just – and this is – it is – it does weigh down your mind. And I guess like that's, you know, how, how is life better with less stuff? Well, it's because there's less to think about. Like, I mean, I just know it's the whole thing of you open a cupboard and you see something and now you're thinking like it. And when you open a cupboard and you see something, that something provokes a reaction in you. Like, you know, I will look at the shelf next to me on, you know, so I'm sitting at my desk. <clears throat> I've got shelves next to me. Um I've got like books on the bookshelf. So one thing I do, like I have, I'm a book person. I have bazillion books, um, but on the shelf next to me, like I, quite often, I'll buy books and I'll buy, like especially when my friends write them, I'll buy two at a time because I always buy one for myself and one to give away. But right now on the shelf next to me, I've got two lots of books where I've got two two copies of them. And every time I look at that second copy, I get irritated at myself that I haven't yet found somebody to give that book to. So that's what I meant to say, mean, is that every time you 
even something might be neatly put away or it's in a cupboard or it's in a drawer, like when you open that drawer, it provokes a reaction. Like opening my kitchen drawer with all the, um, you know, the second one down, the one that has all the <laughs> random things, which I have when I, you know, first came across a years ago and I remember you said, the first thing you do is just do one kitchen drawer. Well, I did that kitchen drawer. So I know that in theory everything in that drawer is, is a useful thing that I will use, but it still irritates me to see all those things in there and go, like, I use that thing once every three months. Is it worth it? Well, it is because you can't go and buy that thing every once, every three months, and there's no alternative for it. But, yeah, I think that's the thing. You know, when people go, what's wrong with stuff anyway? Well, I think you've got to look at the reaction you get to that stuff. You know, when you walk into your wardrobe and it's wall-to-wall with stuff that you don't actually wear, that provokes a feeling of frustration and annoyance. So what can you do? Do a wardrobe edit. Like you've done a really good wardrobe edit. Like how many, what, what's your thing that, is it like a capsule wardrobe? Is that what's Yeah, sort of. I mean, I I'm, I probably am not as, I'm not fancy enough to have a capsule wardrobe. <laughs> I don't know. I was but, at a conference with Brooke last year and she was wearing these amazing purple shoes and I just could not stop looking at them. Do you remember those <laughs> shoes? They are amazing. I love those shoes. But don't say they're not fancy. <laughs> what was I wearing? I was wearing a pair of sketches or something. I think. <laughs> It's funny. I get um, I get lots of comments on those shoes, and it's there. I own three pairs of high heels, um, and that's that's one of them. And I've had them for I don't know seven years or something like that. So I mean, I I'm not a fancy person. So capsule wardrobe for me is someone who works in an office and has to wear. Uh, okay. It's not. That's just my my okay. um, yep. my way of looking at it. But I think I have about thirty things um, in my wardrobe about that plus uh you know five or six pairs of shoes so i keep it fairly minimal and there's definitely things in there that i could let go of now because i haven't worn them all summer and i figure if i haven't worn them all season i'm i'm probably not going to wear them yeah that's my criteria people think i'm a bit um can't think of the word but bit bit over the top with my culling but i do go if it's not been worn in six months and like you know we've just come out of so we're coming out of summer and if i've not worn that shirt in the last six months then it's got to go. So I have to admit wardrobe culling is something I do a lot, yet there's <clears throat> still a lot of stuff in my wardrobe I'm not wearing. That's really <laughs> annoying. So this is you. Know, this is what clutter does to us. So physical clutter does create mental clutter and I love what you say. It kind of does hold us back from being intentional because it's, I don't know, I just find it uses up brain space that could be used for dreaming and letting ideas marinate. And Absolutely. I just feel it's a waste of our brain space. Yeah, I mean, and I just wanted to go back to something that you said before as well. You know, everyone does have a different comfort level of stuff, you know, and I think one reason when people hear the word minimalist, people kind of recoil. <laughs> They're like, oh, I don't want to live with like 100 items. That's not at all what interests me. I don't want to live in an all-white house <laughs> where it's not two <laughs> chairs. In a, exactly, <laughs> live in a box with no <laughs> personality at all. I mean, that is, that, that's aesthetic minimalism, you know, and that is very much a trend that some people enjoy and are drawn to. But uh, I, that's why I, I kind of, I, I steer clear of talking about minimalism too much because I think people have this really extreme idea of it. Whereas for me, I think Everyone has a level of stuff that is, you know, about a good balance for them because some people love a home that is full of, um, you know, 
memories and, and, and yeah stuff. exactly I, I i don't but i never have yeah uh you know but some people find their place by being surrounded with items and i don't actually have a problem with that if they are kept intentionally yes when i think it becomes problematic is when people just keep everything. They keep all the things for no real reason other than fear or obligation or just because someone gave it to them. Exactly. Just because that guy on the street at the shopping centre gave you that hat, <laughs> that free hat, they keep it for that reason. That's because right. someone gave it to me and it's like that hat mean or it's you know, or they keep it because oh but it's a perfectly good hat. But it's You've it's only a got one head good hat that nobody <laughs> it's a perfectly good hat that no one in this house is wearing. Exactly. Uh, and you only have one head, so you know. Yes. <laughs> You probably already have a favorite hat that you wear. Like, I just, yeah, I find the free stuff oh. and gifts. I mean, I, I'm that mum that I want to put on the invites to my kids' birthday parties. Please don't bring any gifts. But I know you just can't, I know you can't do that. And it's probably not fair on your kids either. But it's it tough though. That's really tough. The kids, like, they open the presents, they play with it once, mm-hmm. and then it, it, they, then they return to playing with the Lego, which is with the stuff that they play with all the time. You know, it's just, yeah, I I find that really hard to deal with. Gifts, I've tried to ban giving gifts in my family. <laughs> They're not really keen on it. Um, but, you know, that's the other thing. I find adults giving adults gifts is a kind of a bit of a futile type scenario because adults tend to buy for themselves the stuff that they truly need and I just don't know what I can give say my brother for his birthday that you know is going to blow his mind and be an amazing gift and is something that he actually wants and needs like it's yeah it's so I get it I get very um I do get a little bit over the top with it and I don't want to push my values onto other people so I try not to so when they all go no I go okay yeah, I <laughs> think, but I think that's a good balance because you're not you don't want to be that person, you know, who's like refusing to to take part in Christmas or you know, birthdays <laughs> yeah. or anything like that. Um, it's yeah, it's really difficult. But I'm with you on the adults giving adults presents. Um, my family, thankfully, has pretty much stopped that now. We still give my parents birthday presents and Christmas presents, um, but yeah. almost always. They are experiences. Like I was going to say that, like, can, if we're going to give each other stuff, can we not give each other experiences? Yeah, exactly. You know, a lovely meal. I mean, that's one of my parents give all of us a gift at Christmas of a voucher to a really lovely restaurant nearby, and we look forward to that. And it's something that we do for our uh, anniversary or a birthday or something like that. And it's a really lovely thing that we get to experience that will certainly be more enjoyable in the long run than you know, a little knickknack or a tchotchke or a whatever. So that's that's something that we are fortunate that my family has kind of adopted that over time, over the last few years. With kids, it's much tougher because I think if you were to put no gifts, and I'd love to hear from anyone who has actually done this, no gifts for a birthday party for, for children – how that would go down i don't i don't know my daughter is i reckon everyone would just ignore it i think you're right because they wouldn't want to be the person turning up with no gift even though you've asked for no gift you know i um yeah our daughter's having a birthday party soon it's the first time we've had friends we've we've just kept it to family previous and that's been fine because it's a small number of people and everyone kind of understands that we're not huge on junky toys and stuff like that and so she'll get 
choice, but almost certainly they've been thought through. Um, yeah. You know, and, and yeah, not we're not going to be overwhelmed with tiny little pieces of plastic that get yes. sucked into the vacuum cleaner or, you know, at least yeah. if they do, it's intentional. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even start me on how many tiny pieces of plastic I've intentionally sucked into. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that until it was too late. I'm sorry. Sorry, I can't that worry. You, you've know, never you shouldn't with. have left it on the floor. If you loved it that much, you wouldn't have left it there, right? Oh, um, I am actually the worst mum ever. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brooke, um, if someone wants to get going, like, so they know they've got a lot of clutter, they know they've got a lot of stuff and they want to get started, what's the best place to start? Don't do what I did and uh, <laughs> start by by kind of declaring one weekend, we are going to declutter the garage today. <laughs> just the whole garage, just the old the double car garage crammed full of boxes. We, we're just going to tackle that job today. You know, <laughs> let's keep it contained to the garage. <laughs> and my husband and I walked in. We sort of flung open the roller doors and started just ripping into the first box we could see. Keep this. We don't want this. Don't know what this is. We donate this. We made piles. And then we'd kind of look oh at the God, empty box. You made piles. Yeah. And then we'd move to the next box, you know, shove, like chuck the empty box out, thinking, yes, we're making progress. Look at us. And then we'd start on the next box. And then we'd look around, and the piles were so big that they had merged into one great big pile again. And we had no idea what we had done and where we wanted things to go. And we got so overwhelmed that we just walked out of the garage, closed the roller doors, and thought, no way. And then we'd come back the next week and think, we'll do it again, we'll do it again. And it took us about a month of doing that to realise that that was not actually going to gain us any (laughs) space or peace. (laughs) So instead, I started at the opposite end of the spectrum and started by decluttering my purse and then our car and then a drawer in the kitchen. So really, really small, very contained tasks that you could complete in anywhere between five and 20 minutes. And if you just manage to do one of those in, a, in one sitting and live with the benefit of having, you know, a purse or a handbag that doesn't have a whole heap of junk in it, that is enough motivation to drive you to the next really small task. So then maybe you do the car or the kitchen drawer or even one end of a shelf. If you don't think that you can deal with an entire shelf. So my advice is to always start really, really, really small. Because it does just all build on itself. It's very satisfying because once you do start small, you get a real buzz out of seeing that kitchen drawer look tidy and you're like, okay, well, what's the next thing? And you might do another drawer. And it does – it kind of all builds builds upon itself as opposed to tackling a garage and going, where do I even start in exactly. this room? Like, oh, my God. the thing with a, a huge task <clears throat> like a garage is you don't – get that satisfaction of feeling done because it will inevitably take more than one pass through that space to get to the level that you want it to anyway. Yeah. It's like decluttering a laundry basket. It's like. (laughs) I'm finished with the washing for 30 seconds. (laughs) It never ends. And I will um, say like if you're someone like me who is kind of a bit of a minimalist at heart but somehow has still found themselves and, you know, and who routinely kind of does declutter yet still finds themselves going, looking around their house and going, there's just so much shit here. What do I do? I, this is probably going to be a little bit controversial. Um, <laughs> get a skip bin. I don't know. I love skip bins. And I know this is saying 
throw a bunch of stuff out because that's what a skip bin does. It's no, there's no recycling going on there. It's just that stuff's going to the tip. But the fact is, there is a lot of stuff in our houses that we can't give to good Sammies. That are, you know, if we pass it on to a friend, they might take it and then put it in their cupboard and never use it and not thank us for cluttering up their house. So the fact is, we do have to get rid of it. So I do like doing every so often, like a, just get a small skip bin and then I get to do a big, big clean out and it kind of resets. It like kind of creates like clear um, clear shelves and cupboards. And this is a Gretchen Rubin tip where she's like, always keep one drawer completely empty and one shelf completely empty. And I did that in my old house and it was amazing how that just did actually keep a lid on adding stuff because it was kind of like going, this is the ceiling. There's no more. You can't add any more things in here. You can't put more stuff in drawers because if you're going to put stuff in drawers, you're going to put it in that empty drawer. And because I never wanted to defile that empty drawer or that empty shelf, I just never did. Mm. I never added any more stuff. So I don't know how you feel about skip bins, but I do um, like them a lot. <laughs> no, there was, there's certainly been a significant number of skip bins at our house over the years, particularly a few years ago when we had, we'd gone through our, our home and given away as much as we could at that point in time. Yeah. And there was still stuff that makes me really feel sick thinking about the resources that had gone into making them (laughs) but there is there is nothing we can do with them I mean there's maybe plastic broken toys if someone knows how to 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 deal with that upcycle yeah (laughs) then let us know because I think that's something that we all and that can be a stumbling block so I think there is value in just having a big clean out and dealing with that stuff in one go because it can it can kind of cause a blockage otherwise yeah I mean there's huge guilt that comes from throwing stuff out that is not useful so it's not being used could potentially be used by someone else but probably not Mm. and the thing is it's not like you you can't just the amount of time it would take to apportion out everything to someone who may or may not want it it's just not practical and I think we do have to be practical about these things and I do find that when I've done a skip bin fill up, I'm so disgusted with myself mm. <laughs> and with what I've had in my house. It makes me so, so conscious about what I will then bring back into my house or allow back in. So each time, you know, it, it yeah, it's a very confronting thing doing something like that but it does make you be a bit more rigorous I think the there's, yeah, there's two things that you said there that um, I just want to touch on quickly before we finish up. Um, what I am a big fan of, and like I said, we've done the skip bin thing numerous times, particularly when you're talking about big items that are just broken. There's absolutely nothing that can be done with them. Uh, but what I do also like to do is for things that are useful but not usable maybe in their current current state or no longer useful to us – I yep. do like the curbside yes. drop, so we will often um, put things out on you know the curbside with either a, a free sign or you just leave it there. And nine times out of ten, someone will come along and take it. So things like um, we had a couple of lawn chairs, like a you know outdoor yeah. green plastic outdoor chairs that were fine. We just didn't want them anymore. They weren't in great condition, so no one in our family needed it. Didn't want to throw it in the bin. 
just put it out the front and someone came within you know, 12 hours. I think they came overnight and took yep. them. So that <laughs> This is a great thing about Australia. <laughs> I do love this thing about Australia where if you do put something on the curb and you do say, someone please take this, they absolutely will. People And there are people out there who are who love upcycling these things and fixing them up and then selling them. It's great. Yeah. So I'm a, I am a big, big fan of doing that. Um, and kind of if we can use, if there's a step in between, you know, wanting, not wanting it anymore and throwing it away, I think that's a good step to take if you can. And the other thing is, is what you finished on, which is seeing this stuff kind of pulled together and you see the, the the volume of these things that you don't want or that maybe you never wanted or you no longer use, it is such a good reminder to actually limit what comes in in the first place because almost certainly what comes in will have to leave in some way, shape or form in the future and particularly if you're letting in things mindlessly uh, and they're not maybe quality that you would want or they're not as useful or, you know, again, going back to gifts and that kind of stuff, it's you know that when it's coming in, at some point it's going to be going back out again. So I think to minimise the amount that it comes in and at least keep keep it mindful when it does come in is also something to, to keep in the top of our minds as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of Let It Be. If you want to connect with Kelly or myself, you can find us on social media. Kelly is at Kelly Exeter on Twitter. And on Facebook, if you search for A Life Less Frantic, you will find her there. And on uh, Twitter, I'm at Brooke McCallery. And on Facebook, I'm at Slow Your Home. And uh, if you wanted to either reach out to us on Twitter, you can use hashtag Let It Be Pod. Or uh, head over to letitbe.fm and you can find our show notes and other information about the show. And finally, if you wanted or felt, you know, the desire to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, that would be wonderful. And, um, you know, we, we read them all and we appreciate you taking the time to listen and then uh, tell us what you think. Jackrabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, podcast.